Okay, I think that we are ready to get going here, so we'll get you to make your way back to your seats. And as you do that, let me, uh, <laughs> let me say good morning to everybody who is online with us as well. It's great to have you here. Um, my name is Sean. I'm one of the pastors here on this team, and it is good to have you with us here today. It's been a good morning so far with the things that have been going on. Now, here's a question um, for you that I'm curious to know. Um, has anybody here ever found humanity intriguing? <laughs> I, I, like, seriously, have you, have you looked, like, look at your neighbor right now and just say intriguing. Look at them. Go ahead. Intri intriguing, right? Like, we, we all have opinions to this this question, but in particular today, I want to talk from a subject, and, and this is where the intrigue is going to come. The, the subject is, is inheritance. Are you excited for this one now? It's like, show me the money. All right, like, but usually when somebody passes away, they leave whatever fortune they have amassed to their family or to something else. So for instance, in 2019, Carl Lagerfeld was the creative director of Chanel, a $300 million estate. And he decided to leave 1.5 million of that beautiful estate to his cat. Don't get me started with this cat stuff today. Like, just don't do it. But in, in 1968, a Hampshire resident left their $32,000 estate. Guess who they left it to? To Jesus Christ. This person then put a disclaimer into the release of that estate that Jesus had to come and claim the estate within 80 years or he'd give it back to the crown. <laughs> Amazing. Or perhaps some of you here today, you have heard of Gunther. Uh, Gunther uh, is, is a world traveler, personal chefs everywhere, yachts surrounded by bikini-clad women, mansions, a staff of 27 people. And, and, and Gunther actually happens to be a German shepherd. <laughs> like, seriously. Apparently, Gunther is left with a multi-million dollar estate from a late countess. I just want you to know today that a German shepherd is richer than all of you today. How cool is that? Now, let me ask the question again. Now, if you want to do a deep dive on it, Google it. You can get the Coles notes for it. But, like, things are not as they seem with Gunther, although Gunther is the world's richest dog. That is a true story. You could find out more of the story. You can kind of follow its trail. But I asked the question moments ago, do you find humans intriguing? Like, seriously, if any of you have pets, all right, cat, dog, whatever, and you feel like you're about to die and you want to leave your money to them, don't do it. Send it here. Okay, like, like let's just change that up a little bit. But humanity is so intriguing all around this thing of inheritance. But speaking of inheritance, it's actually where we're, we're landing in our story today of Ephesians chapter 1 in our, um, in our series, Doctrine. We're going to talk about inheritance, and this is what it says. So if you have your Bibles, you can... Ephesians 1.11, if not, it's on the screens for us. Our teacher, his name is Paul, and he's the one that has written this book. He's in jail, and he writes this to the church of Ephesus, and, and he wants to talk about inheritance, actually. And so this is what he says. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, in Christ, we have received, what does it say? An inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. Like God has this inheritance, wants to 
you know, pour it onto your life. So with that said, and with uh, that kind of in play now for us, let's pray. And uh, we'll ask God to make some sense out of some of the things that he wants to speak to us as a church family today. So God, thank you for what you're doing here today and the, the hope that you're, you're bringing and will continue to keep bringing as we, um, in moments from now, are going to walk into our week. I give you thanks for your word because your word is rich and it's sharp, it's powerful, and it's supposed to communicate something to us today. And so today, I ask, Father, that you will again um, impart something to us. Holy Spirit, um, I ask that you will help us to hear with our ears and then our hearts, though, to receive what you want to say to us today. And so I give you thanks for this moment. Teach us is what I pray. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This morning, I'd like to speak to us from the subject, Prodigal Father. Um, So we continue our series um, today, which is called Doctrine. The emphasis is on the word in, because what we're communicating through this series is that there are these incredible blessings and gifts that we get to have together when we are in Christ. And so we're looking at this idea today of this next blessing that God wants to give to you and to me, and it is this idea of inheritance. Now, the inheritance verse that we just placed on the screen moments ago, read it, um, who, who, um, who is it for? Who is the inheritance for? I mean, do you think it's for you? Because commentators have wrestled with that. Other commentators have looked at it and said, actually, the inheritance is God, and God has an inheritance as well. Is there a duality to it both? So we're going we're gonna to explore that just in a moment. But I will admit to you humbly that I kind of approached this topic today with two different identities for me. The first identity that I do have in this story is that I am a father who has children, who, when I am dead with Lisa, our children are going to hope for an inheritance. Yes? Good luck with that, right? Like, it's, uh, <laughs> unless you'd like a lot of Barbies to play with, I can hook you up with that, right? Uh, check out last week's message for the Barbie stuff. But so I, I've got an identity as a father. I realize I have a purpose here and I want to leave stuff to my kids. I hope. But then over here, I'm a son. To, to my parents, and they're kind of making their way towards their end stages as well in life, and there perhaps will be an inheritance that will be given there, and so I'm kind of holding these both in a position today of, okay, what do I do, and so I'm, I'm actually locked in to this conversation today because it makes sense for me. Primarily, though, we all realize that inheritance happens when you are did you're gone, dead. And when that happens, there's a physical gain that happens in our lives. But for some reason, our author, Paul, is actually trying to show us the other side of the coin today. What he is also saying is, yes, that's true, that there will be an inheritance when someone probably passes away, not all the times, but most of the time. But he's also indicating that there is a spiritual inheritance that we have to pay attention to, kind of keep our eyes wide open to the realities of what God will have for us today. So it's in that position today that we enter into this text. Now, to, to do this, I'm reminded of a very popular story. In fact, it's a very famous story that happens in the Bible. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, there is the story that many of us would know to be called this story about a dad and two sons. The title that we often give to this story is the prodigal son. 
And this word prodigal actually means wastefully extravagant. So this son is wastefully extravagant. The story kind of unfolds this. I'm going to give you the Coles notes of it right now. But this son approaches his father and he says to his dad, Dad, I know you're not dead, but I want my inheritance anyway. How cool is that? What would you do with that son in your life today, right? He asks his father for the inheritance, and guess what the dad does? He gives it to him. And it shows us in this story that this kid then goes to another distant place, and what he begins to do is he begins to spend the money freely and recklessly until he winds up in a predicament. He is eating in the pig pen with the pigs because he has no more money or food to kind of take care of himself. He kind of comes to a sense and says, this is not good for me. I got to go back to my dad. So the story unfolds. He returns back to his dad, and his dad embraces him, brings him back in. He's excited, actually, for what is happening. He doesn't deserve this, but the dad, the father, is there. Meanwhile, there's another son in the story, and the actual son there is looking at his father, and he's saying, what are you doing? Throw him out. Give me the inheritance. He's looking at his dad, and I could just hear him say, it's not the prodigal son. It's actually, and I think this is a more fitting title for the story, but you're the prodigal father. Wastefully extravagant. And I've been kind of ruminating on this a while. Prodigal son makes sense, wastefully extravagant, but is the other son accurate? Probably in looking at his dad and saying, you're a prodigal father. You're being wastefully extravagant with my brother who does not deserve nothing, and yet here you are doing this. Now, I want you to consider this theme. The father in this story is a picture of God, like God the father. I mean, consider what happens. It says that the son approaches, dad, give me my stuff, and what does he do? Okay, makes me think, how many times have you approached God? Give me my stuff. And what does God do? Okay. Even when it's not even to our benefit or to our gain, sometimes he will allow these moments to happen in our lives. The son comes home probably full of shame, thinking that he's about to be kicked out, cast away, and what happens? The father comes and he embraces the son. See, because we have to see that it was never about the stuff to the father. It was always about the son. And then the father goes on to throw an elaborate party. Like he brings in the best of the best. You think you've been to a good party? This thing topples it over and over again. And again, it's the reminder. It's to the father. It's never about the stuff. It's always about the son. It's about the relationship that is there. The father, catch this. The father was not dead to enact this inheritance. Yet out of the abundance of who he was and out of the overflow of his character, he gave to his son. I want to remind you just one thing today. Do you know that Father God is not dead either? He's not dead. And out of the abundance of who he is, out of the overflow of his character and his heart, what he wants to do for us today together is he wants to deposit inheritance into your life. And I know some of us immediately like, I don't deserve it. I don't have a relationship. It does not matter because it is out of his character and abundance because God's not dead. He is alive and he wants to pour out his inheritance upon you. Amen? All right, so back to our text. I asked you a question moments ago. Who is the inheritance for? Like, I know that you've been thinking about this. 
But as Paul writes it, who's the inheritance for? Is it for you? Or perhaps is it for God? Whatever side of the coin you're going to land on, here's the answer, though. The answer is yes. It's yes. The inheritance that we're going to consider for these next few moments is activated by you and I today being, two words, in Christ. This inheritance is unlocked for those of us who have relationship with Jesus, who have seen what Jesus has done on the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, reigns forever, and where we place our faith in Christ. And then it is there where we begin to watch the distribution of the inheritance that God has for you and for I. So let's take a look at these two things then together today to, to look at that a little bit more clearly with inheritance. Number one, two points today. We are God's inheritance. What I didn't read to you is now on the screens. And Paul, as he, as he writes verse 11, shows us that we are given inheritance, but he elaborates, and I want to prove the point, because what it says is that Paul prays for the hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he's called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. What it's saying is that you and I today are God's inheritance. Think about that for a second. Let that just... Settle in. You and I together are looked at as God's inheritance. Now, we have already studied in this chapter. Pastor Tyson gave us a brilliant message a number of weeks ago. The fact that you've been adopted, that you've been chosen. And now here again, Paul is reminding us out of verse 18 that we are the inheritance of God ourselves. That word that we are, when it says that you will receive, so to receive something as the inheritance, that word received is the Greek word klero. Klero, and we need to understand this part. I know this is something you may not see just by reading the word received, but this word klero is the only time in the entire New Testament that you'll see this word. Okay, so when that happens, we have to pause, we have to take a look what in the world is happening with this word klero. It's the only time that you'll ever see it, and it talks about it in this text. And it's to choose or to determine by lots. Now, this lots and the casting of lots was a really popular um, practice in the Old and New Testament, something that people did. In fact, the modern-day equivalent to um, casting lots would, would be these things that I hold in my hand today. Perhaps you've seen them before. Dice. How many of you are thinking, I can't believe the pastor just brought dice into the church. What is about to happen? What is about to take place? The modern day equivalent of casting lots for us is rolling the dice. Or perhaps you've heard of it uh, with some straws and you get the what straw? The short straw and oh, I guess you're the one that is chosen. Well, this is exactly what we are talking about when it takes place here in the Bible. So I, I want to kind of do a, an illustration and practice. I've got numbers one to 12 with these two dice, but since I can't roll a zero and a one, I don't get one. So it starts at two. I got two to 12. Now I want you to participate with me today. So what I want to know is who are my people who would like to choose the number two? Hands up. Can I see anybody? I'm going to roll this dice, right? Who wants two? Oh, nobody wants. Okay, we got a two. All right, this is good. Three. Where are my threes? Okay, fours. 
Who's the fours? All right, I like that. It's my favorite number two. Fives, anybody? All right, sixes. Okay, we're getting a little bit better. Sevens. Oh, look at you playing the probabilities. <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Eights. Where are my eights? Okay, where are my nines? Okay, tens, elevens, twelves. Okay, so this is the deal. These people in the Bible would cast lots, but it was a lot different than the term that we know it today as gambling. It's much different. Because what they did in casting lots is they were trying to determine the will of God. And it wasn't for like monetary gain like gambling typically is. Like these people, this was faith to them. What they were doing when they cast the lots, they said that this was going to be the will of God. And so, Naya, I'm going to get you to take these dice. No, no, and I, you're just going to throw them against that wall right there because we're going to find a number. Everybody put their hands up. There are numbers. So here's the deal, though. On, this, on my Bible, I've got an envelope, and there is a phrase in that envelope that is going to be the collective will of God for the number that is about to roll. You all have a hand, so let's kind of just see what the number is, and then we're going to kind of see what uh, the will of God is for your life. So go ahead. Just chuck them against there. Let's see what we've got. What number do you got, Anaya? Nine. Nine. Okay. Nine. Where are my nines? Who, who are the nines? <laughs> Convenient. You may think it's rigged until you read what this is. Sealed envelope. I wrote something in at the start of the day. This is the collective will of God for you nines. This is what's about to take place because we've casted lots today. Okay, so let's see what it says. Okay. This number, nine, earns, those of you that voted for it, the right for one year to give 20% of your income to the church. <laughs> Collective will of God. I, I need a raise, apparently, now. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this, this idea, though, of casting lots, we, we cannot misunderstand it. It was the practice of determining the will of God. In fact, many illustrations in the New and Old Testament are on the screen right now for you to see. People would cast lots when they wanted to divide the land between people. They would cast lots when they were about to go to war or military advancement. Maybe you know the story of Jonah and the whale. On that boat, they cast lots, and it fell on Jonah. And do you think Jonah willingly wanted to jump into the water that was a storm? No, he did not. But because he was a Jewish man, he understood that these casting of lots was the will of God. And guess what Jonah does? He jumps overboard, or he's thrown, maybe a little bit reluctantly. We also see that in the New Testament, it came to the replacement of the apostles. We also see that there was the priestly duties out of Old Testament and New. Like this casting of lots was a very significant moment. But we have to understand that when they cast lots in the Bible, it indicated that man had absolutely no influence. The influence alone was in the hands of God. They trusted it as gospel truth because God had now spoken. It points to something that we receive when we get this inheritance, this claro, is that you and I today have received something. And what we are saying here today is that when it comes to inheritance, God's lot fell to you. Like when he rolled the dice, it was not a gamble. God's lot fell to you, to me, 
that he chose us today to receive this inheritance, that it was intentional in his plans to look at you today and to say, that's what I want. The creator of the universe did it all, created everything, but you want to know the thing that he wants the most is you. He chose you, and today God's lot falls to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, we see his opinion when it came to the the people of Israel, that they were his prized possession. It continues in Hebrews that 8, 10, is that they are going to be my people. They are going to be my inheritance. This is what I want in my life. How many of you are thankful today that God has chosen you? And it reminds me again of the prodigal father. One detail I didn't tell you. Is when that son decides to get out of his pig pen and he goes to his dad. I imagine the story of being the dad on the front porch with his rocker and he's waiting for his son. He wants his son to come home because it's never about the stuff. It's always about the relationship. And he sees his son in the distance and it shows us in the story that this dad gets up and he runs to his, to his son. Here's the problem. Jewish men didn't run. They just didn't do it. It was a sign of dignity. But in this story, the author tells us that this dad gets up and he runs to the son. And I can imagine that son trying to bring his best speech and his groveling moments full of shame and ridicule and hurt. And the dad says, I don't want to hear any of it. And he just embraces him. The prodigal father then indicates to me today that all he wants is the relationship with the son. He throws this elaborate party. I but all he wants is the son. And it is here where I see why that other son in the story looks at his dad and you're, you're the prodigal father. This is wastefully extravagant. What are you doing wasting your time? And that's the point that I think God is trying to make. That he has cast his lot on you. I'm not worth it. Yes, you are to him. Well, I don't deserve this. You're right, but guess what? He's going to give it anyway, all because he has cast his lot, and guess what? You are chosen. I hope that that will send you into your week, recognizing which team you are on, that he loves you that much, that he has this good for you that much, because he is for you. God chooses you and I as his inheritance. How cool is that today? So not only are we God's inheritance, the second thing today is God gives us inheritance. Verse 14, it says that the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us, say it with me, the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people and he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. I love what this point does now. It begins to shift the scene. Because what we looked about at just moments ago is this, that if God has chosen you, here's the question. Will you choose him? Again, that's where this inheritance is going to be activated in our lives. The prodigal son he encountered the fullness of this, actually. He didn't deserve anything. And yet that father stood up and he ran 
He embraced them. Brings them into the home and he invites the people around. And It says that he gives them the best cut of steak that he could have. It says that he puts jewelry all over him. He puts robes on him. It doesn't make sense. Seems a little extravagant, don't you think? Maybe wasteful. Why would you do that with him after he kind of turned his back on you? But I think like this is, this is it. He was welcomed home and there was a party. And because of that, this son started to receive the inheritance of his father. Again, even though he got it and he wasted it, there was, there was more to the story. See, when you come to God, he's got a bag full of gifts. Sorry, Santa, but there is an original player at, at mind here. He's got this bag full of gifts because this is what I know about my God. He's a God of abundance. And his inheritance, he knows what you need at the right time. He knows how you'll need it, when you're going to need it, where you're going to receive it. He knows because that is who he is. In fact, I believe that where we have struggled with this inheritance story is that I've got to be dead in order to enact the inheritance. That's not true. And let me show it to you today. Because while you're alive and walking this earth, God wants to pour out his inheritance now, not when you're just dead. Let me prove it to you. You'll see on the screen. Second Corinthians, we talked about the first installment, but Colossians 1.12. Always thanking the Father because he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. That for those of you today who are in Christ, guess what you've got right now? Inheritance. Today. It's not, you're not dead here. If you are in Christ today, there is an inheritance that he wants to pour out upon you. And guess what? You're alive while he's doing it. Which means you get to just take in the fullness of who he is and what he wants for you. I'm mindful when I think about this being alive is that my God is that rich in resource and abundance. That whatever you need at the right time, he sees you. He's like, I could do that. The Corinthians text showed us that the first installment of this promise of inheritance is, is the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm mindful then as I jump over to Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, which says that God wants to pour the fruit of the Spirit out upon my life. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I mean, my God is able to inherit that to your life today. Do you need one of those things? Ask him because he's a really good God, rich in abundance, and he wants to pour it out to you. And maybe you need wisdom today. That is something that he wants to place into your lap as well. You're alive when you get to experience the inheritance of God. Isn't that good news today for us? And then let's talk about when you're dead. Yes, amen, right? But we also see that there is this in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven, and it's for you. It's pure, it's undefiled, it's beyond the reach of change and, and decay. I'm thankful for this because I have kind of, I've, I've hedged it all that when I die on this earth, I'm going to live my best life. 
And what God is saying to us in his word today is that when you're in Christ, when you die, he's just getting started. And we have an eternity at play. But the only way you get to experience eternity today is if you are in Christ. So whether you're dead or alive today, you have the opportunity to know the inheritance of a prodigal father. And don't look at that context in the negativity that we've made it. What I mean is that I don't deserve any of this. And yet God in his beautiful extravagance says, Sean, you don't know nothing because I've got it all for you. And I want to pour my inheritance into your life today. And that's why I think that the story should be called the prodigal father. Not the emphasis on the son, although I relate to both those sons. But I'm reminded today that I have been clarified by God. He chose me just like he chose you to receive an inheritance. And one day soon, I'm going to stand in front of my Savior. And it's going to be a beautiful moment. But today together, the inheritance is this. God has chosen you. He cast his lots, and it fell on you just as you are. He loves you. So today, may you respond to him by choosing him. And one day soon, together, we'll glorify and praise him in eternity. And it's going to be a really good party. Perhaps we'll play some dice. Will you stand with me? Let's pray today. With all eyes closed in this place, I did say earlier that God has chosen you, Claro, to receive an inheritance. But you have to choose him as well. So perhaps you're in this room today and you've never accepted Christ. Or perhaps you're online and you've never done that either. You can click that link today to make sure that you uh, make that decision. But if you're in this room today, you're saying, Sean, I need to be in Christ. I want Jesus as my Savior. I want to begin eternity today. I want to know his fullness, the inheritance of his love and his grace. And one day when I die, I'll be with him in eternity. If that is you today, on the count of three, I'm going to look across this room. If you're saying, I want to be in Christ, accept Christ today as my Savior, will you look at me in the eye? And then you could place your hand back down again. And I'll move quickly through this. But if there's anyone in this room, one, two, three, you're saying, I'm going to accept Christ. Is there anyone here today? Thank you. I'm scanning the room here. All right, thank you. So, Father, you see the hands raised today. Coming to Christ. And as the prodigal father, you're extravagant in your pursuit. And today your timing is perfect. And I thank you for my friends who are saying yes to Jesus today. And I know that you have washed away their sins upon that recognition that I'm a sinner needing to be saved. And today you come like that prodigal father did. You run to us because you chose us.
And I'm so thankful today that my friends are recognizing that you chose them. The lots were cast and it was them you had in mind. And I love you for that pursuit today. And so I pray for the forgiveness of sins. And I pray today that they begin the journey of Jesus in Christ, fully alive. And I pray for us as we walk into the rest of this week that today we would be provoked to hope. What a beautiful story today that I have been chosen by God. I'm his inheritance. Wow, that's so cool, God. Thank you. And I pray that you will put that kick into our step as we walk out of this place today, knowing that we belong to you and you're so proud of me and you're so proud of us. So I give you thanks for that today. I love you and give us a good week as we go. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, can we say thank you to those who said yes to Jesus this morning? Listen, for those that said yes to Christ today, there's an instruction on the screen for you right now, and it is to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. Take that step. Make that moment public that we could walk with you in that. If you're brand new to Colwood Church, please make sure that you go see Pastor Jen and Pastor Tyson are in our welcome center over there. Go say hi to them. Pick up a Christmas catalog as you go. And remember, church, you have been Claro chosen by God. Now walk in your inheritance. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Bless you.